Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals and the only place for every New York football team and their fans. Do you believe? I'm your host, Steven Tino Rodriguez, and welcome back to the New York Football Podcast. You can check us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and of course, the Believe website, BLEAV.com. Like, download, rate, and subscribe. Leave a comment if you're feeling extra generous today. Be sure to also follow us on Twitter at NYFootballPod, as well as myself at Tino Rodriguez. New Jersey is free. As of Monday afternoon, Governor Phil Murphy lifted the stay-at-home order in Jersey, and just in time, uh, especially for pools and beaches, as it is starting to get hot almost every day here in the 201, about 80 degrees, which probably isn't hot to a lot of people, you know, not in New York, but anyone from this area knows it gets congested and hot around here at about 80 degrees. So uh, encouraging news, New Jersey is inching their way back to normal life again. And on that note, we have an awesome show for you guys today. A good friend of mine and the host of the Believe in Devils podcast, Cody Decker, joins the show to talk me through what to expect in the upcoming NHL playoffs. And speaking of playoffs, I've been beating the drum on this show for the last couple of weeks that sports are nearly back as the NHL had made their decision and I noted that the NBA would be next in line and there they were as of last week. The NBA approved a 22-team format to finish the season starting on July 31st in Orlando. It's going to contain, of the 22 teams, 13 from the West, 9 teams from the East. They'll play 8 regular season seeding games. Uh, That's in quotes, essentially stating, you know, where they are can be adjusted. But really, this is going to open the doors for teams battling for that 8th seed uh, and leaves the doors open for a possible play-in tournament. Uh, The added teams there battling for those 8 seeds, uh, starting in the West, is New Orleans, Portland, San Antonio, Sacramento, and Phoenix. And over on the east, just the one team in Washington. All are within six games of eighth place, and they'll have a chance to make it. Uh, The way the play-in tournament will work is going to include the 8 and 9 seed from each conference as long as the 9 seed finishes within four games of eighth place. So obviously, they'll have eight games to do it and cut down the difference of two games. And in that case... The 9 seed will have to win two of those play-in games against the 8 seed, whereas the 8 seed will only have to win one game 
Uh, and training camp will begin as soon as July 9th. So season kicks off or kicks back up on July 31st. The training camp down in Orlando will start in July 9th. And sports inching their way back into our lives. Uh, obviously, this is a football show, but I'm all aboard getting sports and getting life back to normal. And obviously, with Cody coming on to the, explain the NHL playoffs, we have the NBA playoffs knocking on the door as well. Hopefully, the MLB can figure something out to get that season up and running. But signs of life here, and I'm excited, man. I'm excited. It's uh, You're starting to see a light at the end of the tunnel, which... Uh, We've been waiting for for a few months now, so exciting times for sports fans who have desperately been hanging tight and waiting for sports of any kind to get back into our lives, at least in America. Obviously, there's been Korean baseball and some soccer going on as of late, but uh, it hasn't exactly been what we've been used to in terms of competition, and I'm excited to see uh, you know professional sports back to the way it used to be. But on that note, let's switch over to some headlines before I jump into this interview here with Cody Decker. And quarantine has been good for Daniel Jones as the Giants franchise quarterback has reportedly gained 9 pounds and is now up to 230. Uh, Jones has been quarantined down in North Carolina, his old stomping grounds of Duke University. He's working out with a a few former teammates as well as his former head coach, David Cutcliffe. He's been working on getting stronger, trying to help prevent his fumbles as well as working his awareness and his decision-making with Coach Cutcliffe, something that Coach noted uh, in a quote attributed to Giants Wire. He said, stop running like a back in regards to Jones. Uh, Get on the ground, run like a quarterback. Unless it's to win the Super Bowl, quit taking on tacklers. I tell him, don't take those hits. The ball is coming out. I don't care what you do. And to note on that, obviously, him getting stronger isn't automatically going to knock down the results on the fumbles. But I've already said, it seemed like those were just rookie mistakes last year. And obviously, him getting stronger and getting more aware and working those fundies are only going to benefit him, cut those down even more dramatically than I'm sure he would have naturally done anyways with the experience. But getting stronger, getting a tighter grip on that football, and just learning to, you know, pick your battles. And I like that Coach Cutcliffe was not shy when he said, yeah, you got to stop diving forward and, you know, making this spectacular play, which is hard to tell a playmaker, you know, especially someone like Daniel Jones who has the ability to do that. But at the same point, throw the ball away, uh, tuck the ball and just lift to see another down sometimes because, you know, a lot of these guys are making business decisions, uh, at least from the quarterback position, when you are in the middle of the field against some of these bigger linebackers that are, you know, looking to get a payday out of it. So it's good to hear that he's gaining weight, he's getting stronger, and I just think naturally with the experience, uh, those fumble issues he had last year would go away with the experience, but getting stronger and just continue to work those fundamentals uh, can only be a good thing. And so I'm excited about it and uh, love to see that DJ's putting on weight. Uh, One last note here in terms of headlines. Obviously, I opened the show uh, stating that New Jersey is free. Obviously, he had lifted the order as of Monday. But prior to Monday, uh, there were talks about Phil Murphy and the commissioner, Roger Goodell of the NFL, having discussions about 
actually allowing fans at games in this upcoming season. Obviously, nothing is promised and nothing is guaranteed. But I think just a simple note of them talking is encouraging. It's something where, you know, when you see the order lifted in Jersey, you just kind of assume naturally things will start to evolve and crowds and mass gatherings will probably happen gradually, especially with the season down in September. We have a few months until then. But obviously, without it being promised, it's another sign of life and uh, something to be hopeful for, obviously, because that was in uh, in regards to the Giants, but as well as the Jets. So, uh, you know, they share MetLife Stadium. Obviously, it's in Jersey. And if we can get fans back into that stadium this season, uh, of course, it'll be interesting to see what the protocols and how everyone decides to go about, you know, allowing mass gatherings again. I assume a mask will be worn, but I'm here for it. Again, I'm here for it because pumping crowd noise into stadiums would be great and all, but there truly is nothing like a pure home field advantage of having at-home fans that have been, at this point, desperate for football and sports to uh, really get a a welcoming back uh, into a, into the stadium and getting to support their teams. And so exciting that they're having the talks and the conversations needed to uh, take those next steps. But now with that said, I'm going to switch on over to my interview with Cody Decker. Cody is the host of the Believe in Devils podcast. We were actually side-by-side, play-by-play and color commentary callers for the Rowan University football team for about two to three years there. Uh, We did some other work in the field of journalism while we were in school together as well. Awesome interview. We caught up, uh, talked some Jets. He's a big Jets guy. Um, And he breaks down and gives me an idea of what to look forward to and what to expect in this upcoming NHL playoffs, although... The Devils are not in it, which he covers. He has some great insight on, you know, what teams to look out for, who's the front runner, and kind of how all these teams are going to adapt to just being thrown into a playoff setting really without any regular season leading up to it. So awesome interview. I hope you guys enjoy it. Here he is, Cody Decker. All right, now we have on my good friend Cody Decker. You can follow him on Twitter at Cody J Decker. He is the new member of the Believe Podcast Network family. He's the host of the New Jersey Devils podcast. Cody, welcome on to the New York Football Podcast, man. I'm glad to have you on. Thanks, Steve. It's great to be on here and, uh, you know, just start with a podcast network. Hopping on a second one feels good right now. So I'm glad yeah. to be here. Get you in the rhythm. These things never stop now. Once you start, it doesn't stop. That's it. So yep. um, this is a football show. I didn't mention some basketball before, but, you know, just to get some clarification, I needed to bring in the hockey guy, or at least my hockey guy, to try to give me the ABCs of what the heck to expect uh, in the coming months of, you know, one of the first couple of professional sports that are going to be back. Uh, so we'll dive into hockey, but just for the people at home, you are a football guy as well. We, we do have some past commentating together uh, for the Rowan University football team. Uh, you're Jets, man. What Jets are your man. thoughts? Through what are your through. thoughts? Where, where, where's your head at? How do you think the offseason went? And just, you know, you could throw the fan bias in there if you want. But, you know, Brady's gone now. Brady's gone. Where's your head at as a fan? 
It's an absolute godsend to have Tom Brady no longer in the division, and this thing is wide open, and a lot of the experts are saying that, you know, all, all the over-unders on these AFC East teams are around six and a half to eight, I believe. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, thinking as a Jets fan and just on this team in general, you know, they have a distinct opportunity right now to kind of win the division if they possibly can and kind of get the the jump start on this rebuild that, you know, that they can possibly get. Um, I think right now, obviously, the focus is on Sam Darnold. He's in his third year, and he needs to kind of take that step forward. I think the time is kind of running out for him, and he hasn't registered a full season. So it's going to be interesting to see if he can just even get through and play a full season to his full potential. But, you know, I think they had a really good draft as well and some good free agent additions. So I think they're on the right track. I just don't know if this is the right collaboration of players to get that jump start start. So that's interesting. So I, I necessarily have been on this show pleading the case for the players. I actually am more a believer that, you know, I think Sam Darnold, whether he plays a full season, I think that's his biggest test. But I think he's almost doomed either way because even if he's healthy for 16 games, he's going to have Adam Gase as his play caller, which scares the hell out of me sometimes because I just, I don't know what goes on in that man's head. And so I'm, I'm curious on your take with the idea, obviously they bring in the vet and Joe Flacco to back up Darnold in case, you know, what has happened happens. But what's your ideas of the running back position right now? You got Lev. He's one of your highest paid players. Obviously you used him as poorly as possible last year. Um, and to add to that, you're going to bring in Frank Gore. You drafted a young RB from Florida and P. Ryan. Do you, do you see Lev even declining more? Is he just not gelling with the Jets? What's, what's your thought on that? Well, I, I think the early indication, and after a report I read last week, he's very happy with the offensive line that's in front of him now, which, mm. okay, you can say that his opinion, you know, kind of matters in that sense, but, you know, just to say that you're happy with your offensive line doesn't mean they're going to perform well. Okay, so and now you have a veteran in Frank Gore behind you in which, to be honest with you, I don't know why you don't bring in Frank Gore if you're not planning to give him some touches, in which case Le'Veon Bell's rate of touches is probably going to be the same anyway. Mm. So I'm not really sure about this running back situation right now. I don't really know if uh, Frank Gore might even be the two. I heard the Jets were still interested in possibly bringing Devontae Freeman in as a backup. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't know what's going to happen here. I don't know if they just plan to use Lev more in the passing game than in the running game. And it's very interesting that you bring up the offensive line because it might be about protecting Sam or was it really more to get Le'Veon Bell more in the running game? I just don't know. So we're going to have to see how this all folds and, and plans out. Well, the thing was, the offensive line was poor in both categories. They couldn't really hold a run block, and Sam Darnold was scrambling for his life. So I think priority number one, obviously, why they go with Becton at left tackle is so they can protect Sam Darnold. I think, offensive line aside, those are the moves, though, when you talk about the, uh, the running back situation. And obviously, Gase wasn't a bell guy. But when you're paying a guy that much money, and let's be honest, with Robbie Anderson gone, obviously Crowder's there, but he's the most solidified offensive weapon you guys have. So I just find it, you know, staggering sometimes that exactly, you're not going to bring in a 38 year old running back who's chasing stats to not give him touches. And you know, a guy like that isn't playing the off season. If there isn't, you know, if there even is an off season. So you you don't want to pencil him in at RB two, probably he's probably getting goal line touches, which means, and there was an article about this too, saying 
that they think if they give Lev less touches, it might improve his status on the team. I, I just, Cody, I don't, I don't believe it. And I don't, I just think it's a wasted like time in New York for Lev. Unfortunately, that's, I just, that's where I see this ending up, unfortunately, because I don't know, man. I just don't think Gase likes him very much. And I don't think this team is the fit for him. I, I, or at least they don't want it to be. It seems that way. You said it absolutely perfectly, Steve. You don't pay this amount of money for a guy to only handle like 60% of the touches a game. You don't. And it's funny too, because I was actually at the green and white practice last year uh, at the stadium before the season started and everybody was on the Le'Veon Bell trade. They were so excited to see him in green and white. He scored a touchdown for and like five yards away during a play in practice and everybody jumped up. Like they were so excited so, I mean, this was definitely their highlight guy. This should be the top guy, I think, that they should prioritize. Um, and then the quarterback maybe had to be second due to the fact but that Darnold maybe hasn't stepped up to the plate as early as everybody's thought. But, you know, we'll have to see what happens with Le'Veon Bell. I mean, he's, he's going to have to get, you know, a, a decent amount of touches. And if he doesn't, he might not be happy. He might want out of New York even before the end of next year. Well, that's what I'm thinking. I mean, that's – and so if that happens, I don't know if the Jets have enough juice, at least on the offensive side of the ball. I'm all in on a Greg Williams defense, although they don't translate necessarily as good the next year, you know, the following years of how he decides to go about his defense. But I love their run defense. I love your safeties. I think the defense is going to be a focal point of the team. My issue is if Lev isn't gelling and that team isn't gelling and Darnold's, like, teetering with health again, it's, like, the same story. It's the same story again. And so – I just get worried when a guy as talented as Lev Bell, granted he took a year off, is only getting three touchdowns in a season for you guys. Like, that should be your touchdown maker. So if he's not getting in the end zone, who, who, who's going to score points for you guys? You know, that's yep. it's the concerning part. But now, the Jets aside, the Jets aside, sure. let's, let's get down to the basics here. Um, give me an update on what happened to the Devils, why they're on the outside here looking in, and you see that the Rangers and the Islanders are in. What happened to the Devils season? Was there a chance they could, they could have gotten into this mix? And, uh, you know, give me a nice little recap on what's going on for the Jersey, uh, Jersey natives. Sure. So New Jersey ended up out of the fold, as you said. What the NHL decided to do in deciding the seeding and where everybody would end up is to take the points percentage. So, for example, Montreal Canadiens ended up in that 12 spot in the East. They had a 50% win percentage, or if you go by what NHL keeps it at, 500. The Devils were only at 493. Now, here is the tough part about this for New Jersey fans that they're going to have to swallow and kind of live with. The Devils played two less games than the Canadians. They were three points off. If the Devils had the opportunity to play those games, and this was actually my idea that I had on my first episode of my podcast, where they really should have taken the time at the restart of this to just get everybody to a 71-game threshold. And then if you want to keep seeding more teams and have more teams in the playoffs, then you can do it that way. So, again, the Devils were three points off of the Canadians. If they win two, the last two games and they have the opportunity to play them, guess what? They're in that 12 spot. Yeah. Or it's the same thing with the Buffalo Sabres, who were tied with the Devils, have the same amount of games played they could have potentially made the playoffs if they had given, been given the same opportunity to play the same amount of games as the Montreal Canadiens. Well, that's really interesting, too, because I look at the, uh, how the NBA kind of had their unorthodox system set up, and they basically positioned it as any team within a certain amount of games or you know games back of that eighth seed 
qualified to finish out the season. That's how they did it. That's why the West has 13 and the East has nine. It's basically within a, you know, four to six game ratio, essentially. So that's interesting that that last spot there in the Canadians, like you're saying, have two teams within three points behind them and not even the same amount of games played. And they continue to go forward with it. I, th- I think that's actually interesting. I, I didn't see that's how they went about it. And it was actually that close. I noticed a three point difference, but I didn't peep the uh, win loss, you know, overtime loss scenario in terms of game played. Wow. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, just think about it. I mean, if, if you, I would have, if I was the NHL personally and I was in that meeting room, I would have taken the time to let everybody play 71 games in the regular season. And then if you still wanted to have 12 teams aside, then the rightful teams get the same amount of opportunities to earn as many points as possible. I would, I would have felt that would have been the most fair way to play this. Well, the, and so I'm looking at the standings now and it's, it's a little all over the place. So like most of the West did play 71 games or 70, but in the East, there's a bunch of 69s. There's some 68s. Uh, the Islanders didn't even make it a 69 games where the uh, Devils are at and, they actually ended up benefiting from that, I guess, a little bit. But, yeah, yeah, that's, that's interesting. I think for them it was probably just more work uh, for an already just different layout and a different understanding for how the heck everything's going to be for this postseason. So let, let's, you talked about it a little bit. But so now before they even really get into the postseason, we have the qualifying round and the round-robin seating. So now the round-robin seating, if – our pre-talk kind of, or the, the pre-interview talk gave me an idea of it. That's for the top four seeds. Did I get that right? Correct. Yeah. So these top four teams in each of the conference, they're going to play each other once. So they will have played three games. Whoever gets the most points out of that will be the one seed, second team, the mm. two seed, and so on and so forth. So, you know, that's, it's, it's kind of interesting that this is happening too, just due to the fact that the Flyers, even though they didn't even win their division, they still have an opportunity to be the top seed in the Eastern Conference. So it's a little crazy to think about. Yeah, that, that, that's odd. And, and so if I put that into, like, perspective of, like, other sports leagues, it would just be, like, mind-boggling sometimes. And that, But I feel like it also, in a sense, adds more excitement to it. I mean, at least for, like, people in Philly, like, why not? You know, it gives you something to root for. You obviously want to play for that one seed. But now, so my obvious next question is, now I'm not too sure exactly where this is being held, but... Does the one seed, I mean, in terms of skill base, I guess, you know, in terms of you obviously want to play a lower seed, but there's no real home ice advantage. So do you even think that one seed is all that valuable? I don't think it's valuable at all, to be completely honest with you. There's going to be, you know, these hub cities. They're going to be neutral sites. And of what I've heard recently there's going to be no fans in the stands anyway i mean this is just going to be the players on the ice playing the game and it's going to be very difficult because you see how long this layoff has been already this is basically an off season within a season so mm-hmm. it's very difficult to get the legs moving again and you know working with your teammates you probably haven't worked with them since possibly maybe even the last game you played with them in march So it's going to be difficult for these teams to get out, get that chemistry going again. And I guess, you know, maybe for these teams that are vying for the the top seed, you know, you're going to play three games and kind of get that rust out before there's a game that really matters. But again, you know, I don't really think that, you know, some of these teams want to end up playing 
some of these five and six seeds uh, in each of these respective conferences. Especially because they'll probably have more competitive high stake games. You know, it's just like, let's break it down to baseball. It's like, you know, these guys, teams who get buys and you have these scrappy wild card teams who win the wild card and then can sneak in and beat a higher seed team. And then it's a game of momentum. Uh, I, you know, I, I think you hit it on the head where I don't think it'll matter very much. And what's interesting to me is I know hockey's full of tough guys, but do you foresee, because in all these other sports, that's the next priority is obviously the COVID health of these players and the testing, of course, that's a big factor, but then just the overall health, like you said, there was an off season. I'm sure most of these guys were limited. Do they, are they going to have a training camp? I'm sure they're going to have a, a couple of weeks like the NBA does, but how do you foresee this kind of health factor playing into this postseason? Were there guys that were hurt that you think are going to kind of come in and factor in now that they've had time off? You know, where is that? Where where, where does that layout kind of? Yeah, play? so I mean, yeah, from a health from a health perspective, you know, I mean, again, the, these guys have had plenty of time to rest if they were hurt, um, and they'll be eligible to play. Um, you know, so there are teams who maybe expected not to have somebody for the rest of the season. They could have a chance to have that player back. Um, and then, you know, as far as COVID is alone is concerned, uh, they've threatened taking draft picks away from teams who play players who end up testing positive for the virus. So mm-hmm. the league is definitely taking steps to make sure that testing is done correctly and accurately and not allowing players on the ice to affect, you know, the other players that they are playing with. Um, but we'll have to see how that all pans out as far as, you know, guys who were previously hurt. I think it's going to be tough for them to get back on their feet and, and skating at a normal level again. I think you, yeah, I think it would depend on the player and the injury, obviously, because that's my thing too. And the age as well. Of course. And you don't want to rush it back. I think uh, just in the basketball sense, you know, you always hear the KD thing where it's like, well, for Brooklyn, that's why they want him involved because you always have the idea because Kyrie's even hurt to end the season. They were both hurt. And it's like, well, maybe they'll come back for the postseason. And I think these players are still treated you know, overall as the same type of season. Like, even though they've had these months off, if they needed a full season to recover, if they're out for the year with a knee or a heel or whatever it may be, just because the timetable has rolled back and they could push it, I just don't see them pushing it, at least not for a season that's kind of unfolding the way this is. Why come back for a five-game playoff where half the team is going to have stones in their shoes? So it's like, I don't know. I think it's a risk-reward thing. Now, I'm curious, um, these hub cities, do we think these should be the favorites? All these futures are in positive odds. So do I just wait for the hub cities to be announced and try to just, you know, l- let me see. What, what's a hot city? Okay, so we got the Florida Panthers. So a game might be in Florida. So we're going to lean Florida and Tampa Bay. And maybe, let's see who else we got here. Dallas could be a spot. <laughs> they owe oh, the Vegas Golden Knights are listed one seat in the Pacific. So are we feeling a little higher on uh, Vegas than we probably should if they're going to be tipped with the home field ice? Again, no fans, but they're still home, right, Cody? They're still I, home. They are still home. And, you know, if they end up playing in their own arena, who knows? That might be something as well. Um, I, I've even heard some of the Canadian cities in the fold. And if you mm-hmm. take a look, you know, at the bracket the way it is right now, Toronto as an eight seed, if, if, yep. if, they, if they get the host, I got to tell you, they're one of my dark horses in this playoff too. And, it, you know, they would play the one seed, whoever that ends up being. Um, but they've got, a, they've got a scrappy team over there, Austin Matthews and John Tavares and such. Um, but, you know, if they end up being in a hub city and, and they're the home team, 
Um, they obviously don't need to, to really travel anywhere. You know, they're going to be home the entire time that they're in the playoffs. So I would say that's definitely an advantage um, to me, you know, in covering some college hockey and just seeing how, you know, records pan out as far as how the NHL goes and how teams play. They mm. get a lot more wins at home. So I, I would say that's definitely an advantage if you do get the opportunity to be a uh, hub arena for this playoff. Yeah, I think, and it's funny because, you know, not playing with fans, I think, for a lot of people seems like a bigger thing. And on a professional level, it should be. But when you really break this down to these guys have been playing this sport their entire life. And I'm sure they some of these guys have played in cities that don't necessarily have fans, whether that's professionally or not. And I honestly, at the end of the day, like, it's something you let off with. It's going to be, you know, these guys all on the same amount of rest. And it's pretty much going to be a best man wins. I don't think all these other caveats are going to play too much of a factor. I do think it definitely helps if you're not traveling. But, again, I think it's going to come down to who the heck wakes up first, probably. I mean, ideally. So, with that said, though, let's just talk about the New York guys real quick. The Islanders and the Rangers are both kind of deeper in that, you know, bottom side of that Eastern Conference. What are the chances they're going to peek their head out of the surface and somehow – you know, play one of these top seeds and have a chance to really keep this postseason going for them. Because a team, if I remember correctly, the Rangers really scrapped and clawed to get themselves into that position in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm going to start with the Rangers, and they're the 11 seed. They're taking on Carolina, the sixth seed. And let me just remind you, Carolina was one of the teams to turn down this proposal because of the team that they didn't want to play, which was the New York Rangers. Hmm. And So when you talk about it, the Rangers, obviously, during their season, uh, Henrik Lundqvist ended up getting, you know, kind of booted out of that starter seat, starter seat for uh, Shesterkin, and he played absolutely out of his mind. Now, the one thing that I'm going to say about the Rangers and why they're a team that I'd like to watch out for here, they're only going to end up playing the three seed in the next round. If Shesterkin keeps playing the way he's playing, Mika Zibanejad had a year where he's likely – possibly an MVP candidate, to be completely honest. He's had some outstanding games, and he had a five-goal game against the Devils this year, by the way, which I wasn't happy about. <laughs> um, but, you know, the, the, the Rangers are a team that are really coming into the fold. Um, they're a team who, at the trade deadline, ended up keeping Chris Kreider, who I think is just a force in their locker room. Um, and, and they're just a quality team. Artemi Panarin is having a great year there in his first year with the Blue Shirts. So there's a lot of quality teams in that, in, in the inequality lines with that team and that top six is just dangerous. So I look for the Rangers to, uh, to possibly make a move. And then the Islanders, you know, they're sitting there at seven. They're going to play Florida. Who's the 10 seed. They should be able to get out of that series. Okay. But the Islanders have just been a bit spotty this year. And I expected them to kind of take that step forward this year that I, that I, you know, I just didn't really see too much enough of it to say that they could really make an impact in this playoffs. Again, get through the Florida Panthers and you'll be okay. But then that two seed, if you end up facing a team like a Tampa Bay, who's just really just a really good goal scoring team all around fantastic team plays well offensively and defensively, or if you've got to play a team like Boston or, you know, the Washington Capitals, that's going to be a tough, tough challenge for the Islanders. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm all about, I, and I don't even watch hockey this close, but I'm all about the Tampa Bay Lightning every year getting a high seed and just choking it away. I don't know too much about it, but I know enough about that. Oh, you're right. 
Here's the little advanced statistics. This is something I drew up, which I thought was interesting. Aside from the top four seeds in the Atlantic and the Metropolitan, the Rangers are the only team with a positive goal differential, which I think is actually, you know, kind of a head scratch. It makes you think a little bit because they're, they're 12 over the differential. And then you got the two teams ahead of them and the Islanders and Columbus, both under. I mean, the Islanders barely, uh, barely under 500 with that and minus one. But, you know, makes you think, you know, that is the team that you're saying. I mean, their seed isn't going to represent kind of what they're capable of. And listen, I, I would still love to see an underdog story, even if. I feel like this format kind of benefits those heavy hitting, you know, already established teams such as like Boston. I mean, a team that's layered and has the depth and the best players are probably going to benefit a little more on this than a team who was getting hot. You know, I think there's going to be a lack of momentum a little bit in this and the Rangers could pick that up again. I just, I don't know, man. I'm excited. I'm excited to see it. I hope it happens. I just, uh, I'm curious to see who this really benefits more. I, I, I just think the top-heavy teams might kind of steamroll a little bit just because of the, uh, you know, the lack of teams getting loose, essentially. You know, I, I think uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we see some low-scoring games out of the gates and these top-heavy teams just put four or five in and teams are going to yeah. struggle to answer. Yeah, for sure. That's the outlook I see as well. And, you know, I know this is going to be a very unique situation, but I could just see guys come back on the ice like Ovechkin and Marshan and Bergeron, um, you know, some guys on the lightning Stamkos, you know, um, even on the, even on the West. Austin Matthews, like you said, like these guys who who are just born naturally with that gift aren't just going to, it's not going to vanish. I mean, they might be a little slow to start, but again, I think some of these more elite athletes have a system at this point, and I'm sure they, they, they stood as loose as possible, whereas some of these shorthanded teams, I don't know. You know, they might find themselves on the uh, short end of the stick. But now, odd circumstances. Is there an asterisk, Cody? Is there an asterisk on this playoff, on the champion, on the season? Or, or which way of the fence do you lean on? Does it count or does it not count? Steve, if it didn't count, then you don't play it. You know, that, that, that's how I look at it. Um, I, I will say this. Like I said before, you played about 70 games of your regular season. This isn't like you played 40 games where you only went halfway and then your season ended and you're trying to determine a champion that way. You're still going to have the same rosters that you had uh, before this thing ended and, you know, you know who you're going to be able to plug in and play and things like that. Yeah. So. I would still say that this is a good indication of, of who would win the playoffs in a normal format. And to be honest with you, Steve, I, I know I didn't, you know, was kind of knocking the format in that, you know, maybe not enough teams were included in this thing. But to know that there's at, at least 12 aside, I think they're going to give every team of, you know, that was able to earn their spot here a fair chance to try and go win a Stanley Cup. I mean, these teams were definitely – uh, in the fold and, you know, have an opportunity to do something really special. And I don't think there should be an asterisk at all. No. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I think it has a percentage thing and I think it makes sense as well. It's the same thing with the NBA. It's like, I don't know if they stopped at the all-star break, you have another conversation, but I really don't think those final weeks of the season would have changed all that much. Again, some of these teeter teams, which I think the NBA helped with, they really left no gasp of air when it comes to those teams that were on the cusp, whereas obviously you broke down for me that the NHL didn't exactly, you know, leave those screws fully turned. But I do think they have a lot of their bases covered. And, you know, speaking of the Stanley Cup, there is one team, and it's a little out there. It's not New York-based, but 
there is a chance that we have a repeat Stanley Cup champion. They are a top dog over there in the Western Conference. Do you like the blues, Cody? I'm a blues guy. In terms of music and on the hockey, on, in the hockey arenas. I like my blues. I like my jazz. And I don't know. I think they're a team that they never really get fully the credit that they deserve. I, think, I don't think they got it last year. And when I was gambling on them earlier this season, they're a team that can be a toss-up. But more often than not, they proved it this year. They got 42 wins and 94 points. They can bring it. They can definitely bring it. I think uh, on the Western Conference, really Colorado was the one team that was giving them fits. But other than that, I don't know. I think the Blues have a halfway decent chance at this thing. Yeah, absolutely. I think when you look at the St. Louis Blues, and I'm, I'm going to say they're going to be the one seed. I think they come out of this round robin as a one seed. Vegas isn't as good as they've been. Colorado is entering really – a place where they haven't been in such a long time mm-hmm. that I don't, I don't see them coming out of the round robin very high. And Dallas, I don't think is talented enough. So, you know, St. Louis, I, I see them as a number one seed. I'm a little worried about Calgary. Um, they've, yeah. they've played a good chunk of the season pretty well. Um, they kind of lost a little bit of momentum down the stretch, but maybe this is kind of the rebirth for them. Um, but if St. Louis can get by either Calgary or Winnipeg, I would say they definitely get back to the Western Conference Final and probably have a really good shot of getting back to the Stanley Cup Final as well. Yeah, Colorado was playing out of their minds at one point in time, and it was just yeah, yeah it was definitely uncharted territory. Uh, again, I mean, I don't follow it too much, but I can appreciate when a, a hockey team is just on a fucking roll, and mm-hmm. sometimes it's it's hard to ignore, and so. Yeah, I mean, that, that's what I'm most looking forward to. I mean, I think especially guys like me who are trying to get back into the gambling game and like to look at trends, this is almost like crinkle it up and just throw it out the window because it's almost like what trends are you really going to look at? You want to see those matchups like we said with the Rangers. Some of those trends can help. But in reality, these top seeds, they got to bring their A game more. I don't think anything else really matters much. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'd hate to be these sports books drawing up these odds at this point because they are going into this absolutely blind. You can kind of play the matchup game from earlier in the season, but this is just such a much different situation in, in the whole layoff and, you know, all these teams that are going to be involved that this is going to be something unprecedented. I'm interested to see how the sports books even formulate these odds for these games. And it's funny to me that, I mean, even just looking at this from an outsider's perspective, but like I feel like the NBA – it's really just cut and dry, whereas you can go off those trends and just really how the teams are made up, whereas hockey, I just think it's such a full team sport. I think just like, especially for some of these other guys, that again, I, I just think it's completely different. I think even in the regular postseason, you would have guys show up for certain teams that, you, that are just out of nowhere, you know, playoff heroes, a, a Daniel Murphy-esque, a guy who's been with an organization who just rises to the occasion. So I... uh I'll, I'll be watching closely. I'll definitely be watching closely, especially for those New York teams. I mean, how much do you hear about a sixth man in the NBA anymore, Steve? Right. You exactly. don't. I mean, I know it's an award still every year, but mm-hmm. that, that position has become really not relevant. You know, it's all about the superstar just getting 35, 40 points a game. You know, this it's, is definitely going to be a full team effort in this type of playoff in the NHL. Well, in the NBA, too, it's funny that to me, I mean, obviously it's the same guy every year to me. It's Lou Will is always in the conversation because he's the most pure scoring bench player. But in reality, it's so different that defensive stoppers have become like the six men. You know what yeah. I mean? The Pat Bevs of the world where it's like that's the guy who's the change of pace off the bench. You're putting your best guys out on the court and then a guy who could kind of lock up your best player in a, in a mismatch situation is probably going to be your six man, which sure. 
you know, yeah, it just shows how different things are. But Cody, that's pretty much it for me. Um, I was going to talk a little bit about sleepers, but you kind of hit everything for me. One more time, when can we expect this whole thing to potentially start? So no, early, it's going to be no earlier than July 10th, but they have not officially uh, put out a date. Um, the next big date in the NHL is actually the draft lottery. They're holding phase one on June 26th. That's going to be a lot of talk with the Devils, so make sure you tune into my Believe in New Jersey Devils podcast for more on that. But, uh, yeah, we're not expecting hockey until probably mid-July, and, you know, once we uh, get a date, then that's something I'll definitely be talking about on my podcast. The, the, you plugging in promos has not even skipped <laughs> a beat, podcast or not. This man could do it on air of football games, hockey games. That, that, that's something that just translates to the next level wherever you go, Cody. That was, that was good. So, again, uh, believe in the New Jersey Devils podcast. Obviously, you can find all this on the Believe uh, Network, you know, Believe website, BLEAV.com. You hear it on my show all the time. You can follow him at Cody J. Decker on Twitter. And I believe there's also a Believe in Devils Twitter page as well now. Yep, at Believe NJ Devils on Twitter. Nice and easy. It rolls off the tongue, Cody. Thank you so much for coming on again, man. Thanks for having me, Steve. That interview with Cody Decker was brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? All right, a big thank you and shout out to Cody again for coming on, man. You should check him out uh, on Twitter at Cody J. Decker, as well as his podcast on the Believe Network, Believe in New Jersey Devils. Uh, That's it for our show today. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Stay safe. Enjoy the sunlight. New Jersey, if you're listening to this, we are back. Sports are almost back. And uh, I'll talk to you guys next week. Same time as always, man. See ya. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.